0: going on everybody welcome into the highlight a uh, a way too serious business show for way too serious business people and uh, obviously that's that's not true and that's why i have austin here my business partner austin how are you doing today how are you keeping us light and loose
1: hey i'm feeling good you know we've got a a brand new guest in the studio with us today that we're super excited about and we're going to be super serious with uh no we're we're, we're here to have a good lighthearted, fun conversation. And uh, we're excited to have another guest with us today.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited for today. I, I worked with this guy for two years. I I sometimes had to just put up with him, and we'll be honest with you. And I, I can allow to say that because I'm not in the building anymore. But today, we got my good friend, mentor, whether he likes it or not, uh, John Falcons, the executive director for the Entree Leadership brand at Ramsey Solution. John, thanks for sharing the highlight with us today. How are you doing?
2: I'm, I'm good. Thanks for having me. I was a little thrown off there because if you're looking for a serious podcast, you got the wrong guy.
0: <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's kind of a joke because it's like, I think some people take business way too seriously. And it's just, and I know we all are cut from the same cloth. We're all friends. And it's, 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 it's more fun when you do business with people you like. And it life's too short to be dealing with nonsense all the time, you know, and people that take themselves too seriously are never fun.
2: Absolutely. Totally agree. Yeah.
0: So why don't you, I know a lot about you, but I'd love for you to take just a minute and sort of give everybody a little bit of an overview about you and, and what you guys have going on over there.
2: Well, uh, that, that could be a pretty short story on, on my behalf. But, you know, uh, we, I, I, like you said, I'm the executive director of Entree Leadership Elite. And basically, as, as both of you know, what we're trying to do is help small business owners in the world um, because we believe that that's uh, a noble thing we, we believe business is good one of my one of my biggest pet peeve statements is uh, giving back to the community uh, well business owners aren't taken from the community they're serving the community and uh, what we do at entree leadership is we try and serve business owners so that they can be successful serving their communities and I get to be a part of that team and and um, I've been here with Ramsey for for 10 years now and and um, I'm um, just like a bad penny Chandler I just keep coming back
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're so close to getting that parking spot you can see it it's oh right there.
2: Can just, yeah actually it's right I can actually it's right there
0: <laughs> <laughs> you already got it scoped. that's it out. perfect yeah well yeah. I you know I, there's you're so you got so many your background's so vast when it comes to like business and leadership and I know we could take this a bunch of different ways but I'd, I'd love to take just a second and sort of like you know, you talk about entrepreneur leadership's there to serve the small business owner. Like, mm. what are the biggest challenges facing the, the American small business owner today?
2: Well, uh, man, that's a that's a great question. Big question. And of course, you have all of the the external forces, you know, the things that kind of are in the news feed about inflation or all the, um, you know, kind of the um, the workforce challenges that there are and all of those things. And those are all very real, but they also they also come and go. And so, you know, what we see kind of at its core is you're going to solve some problem in front of you. You know, if you're if you're just starting out, you're probably doing all of it yourself. But when you figure out how to create enough margin to get you some help, your reward for solving that problem is going to be a bigger problem. <laughs> And, you, and y'all know truth? this, right? Yeah. You, oh, yeah. You just, you just get bigger problems to solve. So once you figure out how to get the margin to build a team, then your next problem is how do you get that team all on the same page, pulling in the same direction? And then the next problem is, is how do you create a, a plan that's big enough to meet the opportunity in the market? And then you get comfortable with that and you got to figure out how to reinvent yourself and and um, you know break stuff yourself before the, the market breaks it for you. And, and then you got to figure out what you're going to do with the thing for the rest of your life. And so you just never, you never finish. It's, it's, it's a, yeah. Uh, to quote Simon Sinek, it really is an infinite game. Yes.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, you, you do a great job, obviously outlining, I mean, the kind of endless fast sea of, of problems that us entrepreneurs go through. Um, tell us a little bit about how Entree Leadership kind of plugs in and helps business owners kind of along the walk and as they're facing those problems on a day-to-day basis, how does entree come in and kind of partner with them to to move them in the right direction?
2: You know, we do that in a couple of different ways, Austin, and and just to take a half step back, to be really clear, entree leadership is is nothing more than the best practices curated from Ramsey Solutions of how Dave Ramsey has started and led and built this company from a card table in his living room to a major national brand I know you all have heard that line many times but you've heard it many times because that's you know that's what it is and um, I would say we we come alongside the business owner in kind of uh, two big buckets one is we do some events so we have these you know these experiences that either um, re-energize people Get people fired up, get them, um, you know, re-engaged in their leadership and inspired and educated, um, or really educate people at a real tactical level about how we run this business. And so we do that at events. But then the other piece that we do, and this is the sandbox that I get to play in, is we walk with people on a on a daily basis. You know, how they run their meetings, uh, how they stay plugged into their team how they uh, cast vision for their team, how they, you know, create, create the margin that they need to reinvest in their business. And really all along those major seasons of their business, like I mentioned, of getting off of the treadmill and then, then finding the way to build the team and then scaling the thing and, and um, being at the kind of a, a leader in their industry. We, like I said, we walk with them through coaching and our offerings on a daily basis, doing that, and then every year we have that uh, that revival uh, that that we uh, we put on uh, because we all need that, right? We all our tanks mm-hmm. can can run run low, and so that shot in the arm is helpful to all of us.
0: I will tell everybody watching or listening right now that on Leadership summit in the summertime is it, it's the most crazy business event i've ever been to and i was so lucky to get paid to go to it for a couple years in a row and uh now i no longer have that luxury unless uh john wants (laughs) to throw me a discount code but you know it is a i've I've been to a lot of business events and there's nothing like it there's nothing close and it is a truly insane like if you love business and you love being around people that love the game of business there's nowhere better to go like it is a it is a get hyped event. It's a recharger tank event. And then the EMS thing is also a great event. And it's, it's a little more tactical. You get into the weeds with like actually how to do things and then it still recharges you though. I mean, I mean the last EMS yeah. event I was at, we had a, we had a whole like saloon and, and uh, mechanical bull and, and all the other things. And, <laughs> Uh, unfortunately I had dislocated my shoulder in the office because it's a dangerous place to work
2: and, uh, I I was unallowed. That's not why you you dislocated
0: (laughs) your shoulder. That is not even a good story to tell. It was stretching, which is just the worst.
2: Yeah. It's that repetitive motion, but yeah, you, I appreciate that Chandler. And we love those events and they're, they're real high, but you know, Um, Entree Leadership Elite is where we take what we learn at the event or the inspiration and we bottle it up and we say, okay, you know, how do we, how do we, uh, walk this thing out? You know, we do that either in our advisory groups, uh, inside of Entree Leadership Elite, or if some people even get an executive coach, uh, from our team and work with somebody individually to help apply what they've learned, uh, at one of the events.
0: So I've got a question you've mentioned talking about people that go from sort of the, they do the everything stuff and you know, Austin and I are just now finally after we've been in business a little over a year now. So just now getting to the stage where we've got the contractors and we put cash in the bank and and I've, I've, I've had, I've had Falcons in the back of my head saying all the things (laughs) and I'm trying to listen. And uh, we've we've just started the process of delegating to contractors and whatnot and and starting to build the team. And I'd love for you to take a second and sort of give those early stage small business owners that are maybe getting their first, let's call it five to 10 people on the team. Like, what do you think the best practices are for actually getting people on the same page and, and making sure we're all rowing in the same direction?
2: Well, first of all, Chandler, and Austin, well done making it a year. I mean, you guys are already defying the odds, um, of still being in business. So, so well done and well done getting off the treadmill of having to do everything your, yourself. Um, but you, you really kind of, uh, highlighted the answer Chandler is, is, you know, you, you start relying on team members, whether, whether they're contractors, or whether they're 1099 or W2, it actually doesn't matter because if they don't, uh, if they don't hold what's important to you as important to them and the work that they're doing, it, it doesn't matter what their, their employment agreement is. They're representing your brand and they're either going to damage your brand or add to your brand. Mm-hmm. And so you've, like you said, you've got to get everybody pulling in the same direction. And so the best practices for doing that when you're, when you're kind of, uh, finding that path is you got to make sure you know them yourself. You got to do it for yourself first. You know, it's, it's fine. Like part of the reason why we say, you know, a, a card table in his living room to a major national brand is because we don't belittle the card table in the living room, we don't belittle all the businesses that started in basements and garages, that's where they start. That's fantastic. And if your mission is to make payroll by Friday, so be it. But it doesn't work when you start to involve other people. You've got to you've got to look up. You've got to raise your head and look down the road a little bit and say, What am I really trying to accomplish? You know, what is my what is my mission for this business? And get solid on that yourself. Now I'll say something that's not real popular, and that is this is not one of those things that you take to your team and say, Hey everybody, what do you think our mission should be? This has got to come from the inside of you two. Yeah. This has got to be in your gut. This is something that you got to get fired up about. And then include your team and and attract a team around that. This is not you know leading a business by a popularity poll. Like this is from
0: you guys. And so do you see that as a problem today? Like do do people? Yes, yes. Do you see leaders of small businesses that are like I'm too worried about what all of my team thinks and God forbid yes. they tweet something about me? Is that is that a yes. problem today?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we a lot of us are you know and all of us have moments of insecurity and are worried about what people think about us. And so, you know, Chandler, you know me well as an aide on the Enneagram. I do have to be careful about how I come across (laughs) because I can come across really strong. But at the end of the day, if the mission doesn't come from within me for the team that I'm leading, it's not going to work. And so all of the stuff where we're just so worried about the mob uh, and what they're going to think or what somebody might say or tweet or whatever You just, you're just going to end up chasing your tail and, and that's where burnout comes from because you won't have your whole heart in what it is that you're trying to do. And so, yeah, you got to get clear on that for yourself and then you've got to become the chief reminding officer, right? And just start beating the drum with your team and the people that buy into that, they're going to be attracted to it. They're going to want to be a part of it and you need to keep them. And then the ones that are there just for a paycheck or a J-O-B, you got to, you got to filter them out and, uh, build your team in that way. So identify it for yourself. What's my mission? What does winning look like? What are the things that are really important to me? You know, in fancy nerd talk, that's core values. Uh, but it's all it is, is like, what, what's really important to me as a business leader, articulate those things, say them over and over again to your team. And, uh, that's how you get everybody on the same page. Jim Collins said, uh, uh, an inspirational, innovative, uh, world-class business is 1% inspiration and 99% alignment. Mm-hmm. And that's why you're asking a question, Chandler, is because it's easy to get the idea and be inspired. Like, hey, you know, Austin, you want to go do a marketing business? Yeah, let's do it. And then <laughs> that there's how much work does that create?
0: Yeah. Oh, right? Yeah. It creates yeah. all the work. A lot. You have officially when you when you put that into the universe, all of a sudden you have now uh, sort of opened up a lot of commitments that you didn't even realize you just made, and That's right. uh, it is it is a uh, it's a dangerous game to play because then all of a sudden if you you start the wrong thing and it's not coming from the right place internally, I do think you end up burnt out. And I have seen, I mean, what do the SBA stats say, like? I mean, some crazy number of businesses close in the first five years, and it's either because right. of, of I think a lot of it ends up being cash flow issues, but yeah. I think cash flow issues a lot of times end up pointing back to, we just don't want to be doing what we're doing at the end. It's just like, I'm just yeah. desperately spending money that I know I shouldn't be spending in a lot of different areas trying to get this thing off my back.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so many folks this is why I love what you guys do is because so many folks think, well, I'm a, I'm an it specialist. I'm a, I'm a plumber. I'm a, a business coach, whatever it is. And they want to go into business and they think I'm good at that thing, that trade, whatever it is. And so I'm going to go into business. What they don't realize is that's the easy part. Yep. Right. Yeah. Getting the marketplace aware of what the value that they offer and attracting those people to actually do business marketing. Hello? Mm-hmm. That's the hard part, yep. and that's why they need you guys' as service so much is because they don't realize that they're going into sales and marketing is what they've yeah. got to figure out how to do, not their craft.
0: Yeah. Can you talk about that for a minute? Because I know a lot of people out there are really good at their thing, and they don't understand that the minute you start a business, I mean, really, you're no long, the thing no longer really matters because pretty quickly that's the first thing you should be outsourcing to somebody else so that you can go yeah. – develop the skills of a business owner. Can, can you talk about why people don't make that transition fast enough? Is it because they just don't know they should, or is it a, is it a, they don't want to? What What is that?
2: Well, uh, we're, we're about to come out with a quick read on delegation. <laughs> so a little plug there, be looking for that the first of the year. But what we talk about in that quick read is there's a couple reasons why they don't delegate that stuff. One uh, is they don't have people to, to help them. So they got to get good at hiring um, so that they can turn it over. But here's the thing that I think is really kind of at the heart of it to begin with. And that is, let's just, let's just say uh, an electrician. Let's just say a, a guy is working for a company, a guy or a gal working for a company, and they're like, they're the best electrician on a crew, and their foreman is a, is a chump. He's a pain in the butt. They don't want to work for him anymore. And they're like, I could do this myself. And sure enough, they know a couple people and they start doing electrical work on construction sites and they're good at it. Mm -hmm. And they get busy. And then they realize, I want to to grow this bigger. But they only know themselves as an electrician. They don't know themselves as an entrepreneur. What I mean is, is their identity is as an electrician and they have to shift their identity from I'm an electrician to I'm an entrepreneur and that's hard. It's hard to make that shift. So they have all of these weird uh, uh, behaviors that come out of that maladaptive behaviors where they're micromanaging, they won't turn loose of stuff. They got their fingers and everything and it creates all kinds of problems. They've got to let go and they've got to say, you know what? I want to be a businessman. I want to be an entrepreneur. I need to go get with Chandler and Austin and figure out marketing and bring dollars and customers in the door and get some help doing electrical work. But my job is to grow this business, not just do electrical work. It's a tough shift for people.
0: Yeah. What about when you're delegating and then all of a sudden, is there a fear of that person dropping the ball and failing? Because as we know, they're gonna, like something is going to happen that would not have happened had you been doing it. And that's almost the price you gotta pay when you're delegating and hiring people for the first time.
2: It, it is, but you're touching on something, uh, you know, the nerdy term for this is the fundamental attribution error. And what that is, is it's when I screw up, I will blame that on external uh, circumstances. And when Chandler screws up, I blame it on his character. So, so let me give you an example. If I'm late to work, it's because there's bad traffic. If Chandler's late to work and he's on my team, it's because he's a lazy slug. We all do this. That might be true. (laughs) No, it's not true. I know Chandler. Uh, And I'm making, you know, I'm overstating it, but we all do that. We look at that person and we say, you know, I'm, I don't want to delegate to them because they're going to screw it up. The fact of the matter is, we are thinking of ourselves on the best day we ever had, and them on the worst day that they ever had. Because we screwed yep. stuff up too. Uh, yep. If you're doing something, you're going to screw stuff up. But how to delegate to that person to show them how to to take the time? Because delegation, well well done, takes time. You got to slow down to speed up. So you got to slow down enough to invest the time. Watch me do this, Chandler. Okay. What questions do you have? Okay. You try it, Chandler. Okay. I'm going to watch you do it. And I'm going to be right there next to you. And then I'm going to take a step back and a step back and a step back so that you, I let the rope out slowly and you have confidence and I have confidence that you're doing it right. But that's not how we delegate. We get overwhelmed and we're like, oh, I don't have time for this task. Chandler, do it, figure it out. And then it doesn't go well. And I'm like, Chandler, why didn't you do that right? It's my fault. It's my fault as a leader.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel yeah. like you're giving Austin that's way great. too many ideas here about uh, hey Chandler. This is not going well. What is that's it's right broken and why is it your fault? That's, mm-hmm. that's, hilarious. I'm taking
1: notes for sure. <laughs> I mean, please,
0: please don't. Uh, we'll make sure to edit this part out for sure. Um, I, you're good sport, I, I thought, you're good sport. I thought about, well, it's funny. Cause you know, we, we've talked a lot about this back in, back in my Ramsey days and my entree leadership team days. Like I told you all about, I'd bemoan my, uh, barbecue days to you. And it's because it's funny because I was a entrepreneur for six years and and built a barbecue business and and then I ended up on the entree team and and so I was uh we had crashed that business and then I'd lick my wounds with John a lot of times in his office (laughs) and be like, John, there was this guy that didn't understand how to make potato salad and it was this whole thing. And it's funny, (laughs) because that guy, long story short, I can tell it another time, but he ended up putting Five pounds of horseradish into a potato salad instead of five pounds of mayonnaise and if you don't know what horseradish tastes like just go to your supermarket get a little can and take like a little <laughs> teaspoon and it's enough to melt your face off it's you think nashville hot chicken is hot that horseradish, <laughs> horseradish. That, that quantity is hot yeah yeah and i It'll remember melt your face yeah i remember that was that was luckily a couple times into hiring people because in the restaurant business you people turn over so quickly it is, it is, a, it is part of, it was one of the things I could never figure out. And I don't know if the industry has figured it out maybe, but you know, I had learned that it wasn't necessary. Like you're saying, it wasn't, he was a bad guy. It was a high school kid. This was like his first real job. I was paying him like eight, nine bucks an hour. And so I was getting a certain level of person and my expectation as the leader had to change to go, okay, contextually, What's happening right now? I got a 17-year-old kid, never had a job, doesn't really have cooking experience. I knew all that as the leader, it's my fault. I hired him with all those things. I can't get that mad at him when he makes this big of a mistake. And it was a big mistake because my dumbass ended up eating the potato salad and like lit my face on fire. <laughs> but there was a guy, you know, on the like luckily I handled that a little bit better and and ended up you know, using it as a fun training moment and sort of we ate it together and it was, it was rough. But the first guy I ever hired was Tom. And Tom was a philosophy major at the University of Kentucky. And I don't know if any of you out there have experience in the restaurant business, but let me tell you. There's an
2: oxymoron philosophy in Kentucky.
0: (laughs) You have to be barefoot and uh, drink bourbon. That's that's the, the requirements for that degree program. Love love everybody from Kentucky. That's it. So Tom, Tom was a, good guy, but he was so slow and so philosophical about everything. And in restaurants, you got to move quickly. And I was a terrible leader because he was literally the first non-family member employee we had ever hired. And I remember looking at him and just like, I lost my cool one day and I was like, I don't know why you go so bleepity bleepy slow and bleepity bleep and bleep bleep bleep, (laughs) because I was coming out of the military days too. So I was a little bit, a little aggressive and I was, I was a child and, and a leader. And it was, but I, I made it about him. And I didn't make it about what I I ended up realizing later, you know, through a lot of the educational resources that you guys do on the entree team is it was, it was my fault hiring the, a good person, but putting him in the wrong seat on the bus. And instead of moving him around and finding a better seat for him, I overreacted and we just let him go. And so like, how do you recommend that small business owners that are building their teams for the first time navigate getting people on the right seats in the bus?
2: Well, I think that's a good question. I think that the, you you mentioned this and I would say even before worrying about getting the right people on the right bus is what you did was you looked in the mirror and you said, Hmm, after the fact, (laughs) who's the problem here, who's the problem here? And then you're able to start to figure that kind of stuff out. So, uh, you know, in addition to the book Entree Leadership, one of the books that I recommend the most is a book called Leadership and Self-Deception. And a bajillion copies have been read about uh, or sold and read and everything. I highly recommend that to everybody on your podcast. Read that book, Leadership and Self-Deception, because we get inside and the the, the book talks about this. We get inside this box and we're not thinking about outside the box. We're not thinking about the other person. We're not thinking about anything except for things from our perspective and what we want out of the situation. And when we step out of our own way and we say, hmm, how can I make this situation situation better? And how did I contribute to it being a problem? That is the key that starts the engine of figuring all this stuff out. And, and like it did for you Chandler, and then you can say, okay, where is this person? Well, now that I'm actually thinking about this other person, uh, I'll, I'll think about the horseradish kid. I know you were mentioning Tom, but the horseradish kid, like how do I need to set him up for success? Right? He's 17 years old. I need to, and, and we've talked about this. Maybe I need to write this stuff down and maybe I need to take a picture of it and say, this one's horseradish, this one's, you know, how does Chick-fil-A run a $15 billion business a year staffed by teenagers that can tuck their shirt in, wear a belt and say, my pleasure. Every time I say, thank you.
0: I can't tell you how many times I've asked myself that question.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's because they lean in that hard lovingly and they show that person, they set that person up to win. Like this is what it takes to put together good potato salad. And uh, you know, they only do that by first as a leader getting out of their own way and then, you know, spelling it out at the level that, that the person needs to hear it.
0: Yeah. It's well, not, out
2: Taylor, I'll, I'll, shut, I'll, I'll shut up, but let me say this. When you're training somebody, it's not micromanagement to show them a picture of mayonnaise and horseradish if they don't know the difference. That's not micromanaging people. That's training people. Once you show them the picture and they've demonstrated that they know how to do it, standing behind them and looking over their shoulder repeatedly because of your own insecurities. That's micromanagement. Mm.
1: You know, I'll, I'll uh, give you a little story from my own personal first time job. You know, I was the 16 year old, actually, I think I was 15. My, my mom would drive me to work. It was at a pizza place. And, uh, they started me on a Friday night at 5 PM. That was my first ever shift uh there's a ballpark right down the street and they would order pizza all night long and so it was always a crazy day um and they just said hey you know it's a, obviously it's a crazy day to start we're gonna put you on salads and I thought okay great you know it's it there are charts right in front of me that shows here's what goes on the salad first second third all the way through but the problem was like you said they did not label in your example the horseradish and the mayonnaise for me It was mozzarella and feta cheese. I had never had feta cheese. I had never seen feta cheese ever in my life. All I knew was that mozzarella is small and crumbly. And I don't remember what the salad was, but someone ordered this salad first time ever. They were dining in and mozzarella was supposed to be on top of their cheese. And so, you know, of course, I dunked my hand into the feta, spread it all over their salad and happily (laughs) delivered it with a smile to their table. And, uh, as you can imagine, it took about 30 seconds for me to get that call back. (laughs) And, um, I had to sheepishly look into my boss's face and tell him, I do not know what feta cheese is. And, uh, it was, it was hilarious, but it's, you know, your exact point. It's like, is it micromanagement to tell me what's feta and what's not do, do they need to check before they put me on salads on a Friday night? I think they did, and I learned the hard way. But, you know. Well, so did they. It, it, and yeah, that's Hopefully right. That's they right. Too. Hopefully they did. That's too. Right.
0: Hopefully they were able to rectify it before it ended up on Yelp. And that's a whole other thing for another time. I
1: think, luckily, if I remember correctly, I, I think it was like a friend of the owners. You know, it was like a locally owned business. And so I think nice. I got a pass. Um, I ended up working there for four years. And so I'm sure that was not the worst mistake I ever made, but it worked out. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a and, fun and, one.
0: And on the back of that, I will say Horseradish Kid, as, as John so lovingly named him, which is now what I'm <laughs> going to text him and tell him his new name is. Uh, he, he, I still talk to him. I still talk to him every couple months. He's a good kid. He's he's graduated college and doing something. I think he's in elementary education now. And uh, But he ended up working for us for like three years. And I think it was, that's it was awesome. because of the way we were able to actually like train him and not just belittle him and, and wear him out. And I do think that's a lot of the issue with You know, when you don't care as a leader about company culture, then nobody will care. And then you can't be upset when you get what you get. Uh, I've got a five-year-old daughter now, and she all the time loves to look me dead in the face. And she goes, Daddy, you get what you get, and you don't throw a fit. And I, you know, I don't know how you argue with – I didn't know philosophy was going to be the theme of today's podcast. But, you know, here we are. John is always surprising us. Uh, So we have a question we ask everybody, which is the 10X budget question. And I'm going to put some parameters around it. If I could give you 10X – the budget tomorrow as a small business owner Let's take you back to those days and you had to spend the budget on improving company culture. how are you gonna do that?
2: And I have to spend it on improving company culture. Well
1: the mistake like you we... want to spend it there too you know <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> the mistake that we make about company culture is thinking that it's things like, tables and ping pong tables you know like fun stuff but culture is nothing more than the collective attitudes and behaviors of a group of people and you know businesses have that teams have that uh, professional sports teams have that cities have that families have that so we all have culture it's just is it the is it a healthy thriving culture is it a culture that produces the results that we want so when you ask me if I had 10x in uh, a budget to improve culture man that's a super good question because what improves culture is better identifying and communicating what our what our values and beliefs are so Mm. like this seems like a cop-out answer and i'm willing for you guys to push back on me but it's but culture (laughs) is not something you can buy the culture is not something that, that you can It's um, good answer. Uh, just go, you know, get somewhere. Now, you both know we spend an insane amount of money on uh, Battle of the Bands and our Christmas party. And so I'm not against that stuff. I love that stuff. The spelling bee. Um, you all know that, you know, I, I uh, will bring my elk bugle to the spelling bee and um, um, <laughs> about getting murdered by all my teammates blowing that thing. Um, so yeah, I would do that. I, I would upgrade the meals at those events and I would, uh, you know, invite more people and throw bigger parties if I just had the money, but I, but I'm careful to not, uh, say that that buys results. Mm-hmm. Um, it yeah. doesn't, um, yeah. and, and, you know, you know, I, I could spend that money taking care of people, uh, you know, uh, one of the things I'll tell you, and i'm'm I'm, I mean, I have meant to put this on LinkedIn and I'm going to. I've had several people uh, because we were talking about this and i don't I don't mind sharing this, but I, I just had to go uh, to the hospital and uh, for my heart and I was off work for a couple of weeks and I've been back a couple of weeks now, and I had a lot of people ask me at the hospital and friends in my neighborhood, well, how long do you how long do you have? How long can you take off work? And honestly, I look at them with a blank face. I'm like, I, I don't know. That's not an issue. I have as long as I need, you know, and, and, um, Dave and the board and everybody here has reiterated that, even though I'm the one that has taught a lot of people that on behalf of the company, they're like, why are you back in the office? You know, like stay home. You don't have to be here. And so it takes margin to do that. It takes money to do that. At the I mean, that's reality, you know, and we, and you both know, we've done things like some kid of a team member gets sick. We'll put them on a jet and fly them to wherever they need to be. And so, yeah, if you gave me that money. I'd figure out how to spend it, but I <laughs> would not be fooled into thinking that's how you create culture. It's
0: mm-hmm. a great I answer. I love the line. Culture can't be bought. I mean, because money is easy. I mean, it is. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, now, cash flow is a big reason why a lot of businesses close in the first five years. We know that. And so yep. if you're a new business owner and you're in that first five year window. I understand what we're saying sounds crazy. But at some point, if you make it through that window, you will have plenty of cash to spend on stuff. And that, is, yeah. that becomes very quickly the easy thing to do. Yes. Um, But, you know,
2: Chandler, you you know, if I don't have the money, I could still go smoke a pork shoulder in my backyard and take it over to your house, you know, tonight and say, man, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. I just wanted to give you all, you know, a night off from cooking dinner. And and of course, now I would be super insecure about you judging my barbecue. Uh, But, you know, for the normal person.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I, I think I think it's an effort. It's an effort answer. This is effort requires no additional resourcing. It it takes zero money to take a pen you already have and to get a piece of paper and to write a thank you note. And that is what you're talking about. Culture starts from the top down and it is a culture is a core value and you can use whatever fancy word in the core value you want, but it's really, it doesn't matter. It's just a word on a paper until you actually start putting your actions where your words are. It's, it's pointless. And for anybody out there. I think there's some leaders that think maybe their team, or they probably would call them employees, are just stupid. And they just think that they'll just buy into the, the pool tables and they'll, they'll buy into the money and they'll buy into the into the words on the wall and those fancy like motivational posters with like teamwork and dream work and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you may be able to fool some people for some short amount of time. But the people you want to be on your team long term, We'll figure it out, and then yeah. they will leave because they are A players, and A players never have an issue finding a home, ever. Yep. And yeah, that's true. You, And you, you have to – the one thing I learned in all of my six years of running the restaurant that I should have – I wish I would have learned faster was that the single differentiator between the companies that make it and the ones that don't are really the people on the team and how yeah. well you can take care of them challenge them, compensate them and do all the things. And then actually do it consistently. It's not just a one week proposal. And we saw this fancy keynote. and Now all of a sudden I heard this podcast and now I'm all in on culture, baby. It's like, no, it's gotta be a consistent thing over and over again. The last last question, and it, this just came up was, if if you have somebody out there that maybe looks in the mirror and goes, okay, my culture is broken internally. And, and I'm willing to mm-hmm. admit that me as the leader, I'm the reason why,
2: mm-hmm.
0: what do you tell them to do to walk that back?
2: Yeah, that's a super good question. We run into that a lot because people, you know, when they come uh, and they they get uh, aware of what we teach in Entree Leadership, a lot of them have that realization. Um, And my favorite thing for a leader to do when they have that realization is go to their team the next morning and start out by saying this, I'm sorry. I'm the one that allowed the culture to become what it's become. And that's on me. And we're gonna start doing some things differently. And I know that's gonna to be tough, but but we're gonna kind of start a new business and a new team tomorrow. And this is everybody's invitation to be a part of that. But as of tomorrow, gossip's not okay anymore. Um, you know, whatever whatever it is, um, fight fighting back and forth and not resolving things, it's not okay anymore not serving our clients with excellence. It's not, it's not okay anymore. And it's my fault that those things have gotten into our organization. So I apologize for that because that's a failing on my part. But tomorrow's a new day. So if you want to be a part of a company where we don't allow gossip and we've all got each other's back and we serve people because it matters and we, we get the last 10% out and, and figure out how we're going to do this thing together, if you want to be a part of that kind of team, show up tomorrow. I'd love to have you, and I'm excited about our
0: future. Yeah, I love. I'm ready that. to run through
1: a brick wall right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I got Falcons on here for a reason. He is—he's the man. Uh, well, you gotta own I got to do. Th- you got to own it. Yeah, I, I love that, and I I got to put this out there as somebody that does now own it with a business partner. If you want us at me Marketing to be able to develop a great company culture, we need your money, and so we need your business. And so now I'm going to do an ad read. <laughs> And the ad read is this. Look, if you're a small business owner and you're doing what John's telling you to do, you're ready to delegate, you're ready to to elevate yourself as a business owner and you you you're tired of going on LinkedIn and and asking your network for references and that fails and you're tired of going to Upwork and all of a sudden it's like who the who like who are these people? Where do they live? I don't know them. Uh, and if you're also scared of spending way too much money, because guess what? Marketing firms love to charge a lot of money and just take it. And then we'll just say, Hey, you had some impressions. Good luck with revenue. And, uh, you know, that those three reasons right there are why Austin and I started high marketing because for a lot of companies out there, for a lot of small business owners, they're not quite ready to bring that full-time person on to handle all their marketing. And marketing is such a wide array of specialities that you need a full team to really do it well, and so Highbeam comes in. We're your part-time marketing agency, or part-time marketing team. Really, we're on the team. We believe in your core values and culture. Because guess what, John? We don't work with people that we hate because life's too short. And I, I just, I don't, I don't share barbecue with people that aren't good people. That's just a general rule in life. I think that's that's the best way to live. So, if uh, I've had if some of your barbecue sauce, so yeah, yep. I, I, you have the recipe now. It so is you good open sauce. Up your own Law's barbecue company. Is. <laughs> Uh, as long as it's not the reason you had art issues, we're good. We're, we're still good. <laughs> it's not. Well, if, if you, on the back of a very weird joke, if you want to find out more, go to highbeammarketing.com, fill out the contact form. We'll schedule a discovery call, learn more about your business and you see how we can help you. All right. We paid the bills. We can now invest more money in culture. John's happy. I'm happy. Austin's happy. Alright, Austin. I'm you know, you, you were you were digging in, you're you talking to me about it's the hunting season, I don't care. You're all in on it, and you, you wanted to talk well to Falcons about something, so floor is yours.
1: Yeah, well, you know, Falcons, you probably don't know this, but I am a uh, five year unsuccessful deer hunting veteran. I've been I've been in the woods since twenty eighteen watching deer pass. Um and I, I'm looking for the buck. Last year I found one but he was running and I missed my shot so what I would love to hear from you today and real quick you know it doesn't have to be a long drawn out thing but I would love for you to share I know you're a big hunter we're coming into the season I would love for you to share a quick hunting tale that you lead with with your hunting buddies you know what's the one that really you know tells everyone what you're about in the woods I want to hear uh your best story
2: well, first of all, uh, I have had some success deer hunting in my life, uh, and other types of hunting, but I'm right there with you because I've been elk hunting, uh, for years now and have not shot an elk. Um, and so I know what that's like. Keep um, on
1: going, man. <laughs> just
2: keep, yeah. Just, uh, never, never quit. But, uh, what is my, my story about, shoot, I don't know. There's so many, so many good stories, uh. Yeah. I was, uh, I thought you were going to ask me for advice. Like, you know, what should I do? And <laughs> that's easy uh, maybe, this, maybe this is my story, but shoot the first legal deer that walks by you.
1: Oh, oh man, that's, that's you a good one. Him, that's a good one. Well,
2: I this
1: will do great. it. I will do it. <laughs> he won't. Here's the he thing. <laughs> I started this in 2018 and I was, I was being led by, you know, a very close family friend of mine he has a big property you know he's been kind of uh tending to these deer for you know forever and my first time ever in the stand six deer and a little herd walked by but it's two moms and a bunch of babies you know and uh i know this guy and i you know i just don't want to be the guy that shoots bambi's mom you know right off the (laughs) bat uh i don't want that to be my first day on the job and so uh you know I, i only get a couple times a year to go out maybe but um since that day, I've told myself, you know, I've let six walk. Um, what if that seventh one's the buck, you know, what if that's the big boy that we're going to tell our friends about? So, uh, yeah, I guess for the last three, four years I've been waiting. And last year, John, we had a, we had a baby right before deer season. And so I got one chance Uh, to go into the woods. I got one chance last year and I was in the tree, uh, early in the morning and waited about three, four hours. And sure enough, here come two or three doe walking out of the woods right in front of me, right in front of me, John. And I'm like, this could be it. This could be the one that you're talking about. But the way they were moving, I thought there's got to be something following. And, and I did wait. And there was a, a really nice looking six pointer that followed him right out of the woods. But he was hustling. And yeah. as you know, I was I was no experience to this, Uh, yeah. up you know, up in the tree alone. And I thought, I'm going to wait for him to stop. He didn't stop. And so I eventually realized I've got one chance to just at least shoot the gun. Right. And uh, so yeah. I did and I missed and we, we acted like maybe we hit it. You know, we had the dogs out sniffing around. We knew we, we didn't hit it, but, but we <laughs> pretended and we played the game and, uh, well, you know what, we'll be out there. Uh, we'll be out there again this season. So well, it's all about perseverance, right?
2: Yep. You got to keep going. And, uh, yeah. What state are you hunting in? Tennessee. You do realize that, like, we're massively overpopulated. Our deer herd is massively overpopulated. I know. Shooting, you can, shoot, is you can not legally a good shoot a story. deer. You can shoot a doe every single day of the season. Like, I know you can. Virtually no limit.
1: Well, the problem is, is you know, I've only had one day a year, and it's like, what if I blow the? You know, it's just kind of a weird he thing. Wants but, the fancy but this year, John. It's, it, this year he's, I'm coming he's for it. he got tied
0: it. up in his identity. It, he wants to the so, yeah. story. And now he's <laughs> yeah. got five years sunk into it. He's definitely not doing it.
2: So. Well, my best advice to you is you need to spend the remainder of the year taking, cares, taking such good care of your wife and your family and your home that you earn the right to go a half a dozen times when it's season.
1: I love that advice. That's Company the best advice ever.
0: Comes home. I love it. <laughs> well, John, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. We'll make sure to link up Montre leadership and all their good stuff. We, we love what you guys are doing. We're still big fans and friends of the organization. So I hope this goes without saying, but if you ever need anything, please reach out. Let us know. Uh, we appreciate all you guys watching and listening and doing all the things. We will see you next week.
2: Thank you.